Welcome birders, this is Ed Pullen, your host on the Bird Bander Podcast, where birders talk birding. And I'm recording this episode from Phnom Penh, Cambodia, on the 42nd floor of the Bridge Club, where Brett and I are staying, and we've had a pretty good trip here. We started out in Chiang Mai, Thailand, and came to Phnom Penh. So mostly a trip to visit Brett, but on any trip, I try to get a little birding in. So I've got Brett with me today, we're going to talk traveling together and birding. How you doing, Brett? I'm doing good, but I wouldn't say that uh, two out of 10 days is a little birding. That, you know, 20% of my time, I would say that's a lot of birding. You know, from a birder standpoint, that's, uh, gosh, hardly dipping my toe in the water. Well, uh, lucky for me, uh, I have a life outside of birding. So yeah, I would just say 20%. I wouldn't categorize that as a little, let's just put it that way, or those aren't the words I would use. We're just going to agree to disagree on okay, that, but we're going to talk enough. about our trip. Gonna like a lot of things trip. in life, right? Yeah. We just have to agree to disagree. I don't think any father and son who agree on everything would be normal. Nope, not at all. So Brett, you spent quite a bit of time in Chiang Mai. What, what draws you to Chiang Mai? What do you like about that city? Uh, yeah, I think I've probably lived in Chiang Mai now like uh, five months of my life, something like that. Um, just lifestyle, I would say, just lifestyle. Uh, it's a great place to live and work. And um, I would say, first off, it's uh, the food. The food is probably the number one thing that keeps me coming back to Chiang Mai. Um, of the population of Chiang Mai is vegetarian. So uh, there's over 160 vegetarian restaurants and I'm vegan. So it's really easy to just live a healthful lifestyle there. Like uh, I like to eat a whole food plant-based diet and um, you know, it's a great place to get eight mangoes a day and uh, go to a couple restaurants and uh, fill up on just whole foods that, you know, uh, as long as you're not eating too much oil, it's just pretty much all whole foods and just makes me feel good uh, living that lifestyle. Yeah, Brett, definitely. When I'm with Brett, I I eat more fruit, that is for sure. We just, uh, those mangosteens, ooh, those were sweet. Yeah, the mango scenes were good. I would say if the durian in Thailand were better, I would spend more time in Chiang Mai. But uh, I prefer the Malaysian durian to the Thai durian. Just to, um, not to get too deep into it, but uh, the Thai don't let durian tree ripen. So it just doesn't taste as good in Thailand. And although Brett... Brett uh mentioned we only got out two full days of birding this trip. I did get out most days and, and get my binos on my back and uh, walk around. And I kind of chuckled when I was in Chiang Mai, there were Eurasian tree sparrows just everywhere, you know, hopping around the street like we have house sparrows outside McDonald's at home. And uh, I, it wasn't long ago that when I was in Nia Bay, we, uh, Ken and I spent quite a while looking for Eurasian house sparrow and there was the uh, Eurasian tree sparrow, excuse me, and there was the big debate about how it got there and would it be listable and everything. Well, they're definitely here and they are listable and they are all over the place. So where did you get one of those? Uh, those are those little sparrows that are hopping You got one up. in the United States though? I, I saw one oh, in yeah. Nia Bay. Yeah, you I think you I told you about it. Yeah, you chased, it, chased it, down. it down and told you about the 
might have come across on a ship and how did it get there and all of that who stuff. Who knows, who yeah. knows. Yeah. A lot of different ways are possible. I, did, I didn't tell you that since I talked to you about that, somebody else found a hybrid between a house sparrow and a tree sparrow at that same place. And the thought is that bird may have been there a while and bred with a tree sparrow, bred with a house sparrow, and now they've got a, a hybrid tree sparrow, house sparrow uh, in the same flock. So yeah, just, the drama thickens. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> There's so much to birding, it just makes me question, you know, over 10,000 species of birds in the world, and uh, you got to just keep up with all those, you know, random things that happen uh, in the animal world, you know, and that's, that's uh, to me, it doesn't seem very interesting, the one, you know, two random birds breed, and now there's... Uh, 10,301 species in the world. Um, oh, it's not a species, it's a hybrid. Okay, so, see, you know, I'm not even up on that, y'all. So, um, how many different life birds do you think you got here? I, I've done well. I got uh, 66 uh, lifers in Thailand and another 23 in Cambodia. So, uh, let's talk a little bit about our day of birding in, in uh, Thailand. We, uh, we hired a guide. We hired Green from the uh, Thailand Birding uh, website, and he took us out to Inthanon, which is the highest mountain in Thailand. Doi Inthanon. Doi Inthanon, excuse me. Doi Inthanon is the highest uh, mountain in, in uh, Thailand, and we were underdressed for the day for sure. <laughs> yeah, I had no clue. Uh, you know, I, I literally... I brought uh, two t-shirts. I was like, if I sweat through one t-shirt, I can just switch t-shirts. Um, but little did I know it was gonna be like freezing on the top of the mountain. So early in the morning, I was uh, suffering a little bit. I put on both shirts and uh, just um, bared the cold. We actually kind of lucked out on that trip. We were gonna go straight to the top first thing in the morning and we got to a huge queue at the second checkpoint. And it was such a long queue for people trying to go up for the sunrise that we turned around and birded a, an abandoned housing development there and for a couple of hours and then went up to the top later in the morning when it probably was, you know, five degrees warmer and not quite as cold, although we were still shivering a little bit. I never dreamt that it would be so cold in Thailand. But. And these guys were literally birding right behind this urinal. Like there was a group <laughs> urinal with all these dudes just pissing and then our guide and my dad were just like right back to back with all the guys pissing with their binoculars out you know how creepy is that that was pretty funny after that was a first for me uh, standing in inside inside an outdoor urinal uh burning uh, over the back of the concrete barrier there with the guy that was Definitely cool, but we did get some good birds. Got some good birds on that trip. So if you were to go bird watching in anywhere in Asia, where would it be? Oh gosh, I, I haven't really thought that out. It might be India, even. Okay. Uh, but uh, India is supposed to have a really lot of birds. It'd be great. Uh, Thailand is very good birding, too. Isn't uh, Chiang Mai supposed to be like one of the best Places. Not really. Chiang Mai is a place to go for those few birds you need to get at elevation of some of the inland birds. But the, the areas near the water and the big open field areas, I believe, are, are a lot more popular among birds. Somehow a few years ago you told me that Chiang Mai was like famous for bird watching and you had some friends who'd gone there. I think it is part of, if you bird, uh, take a whole trip to Thailand, people will go to Doyen Inchinong uh, as a part of that trip. Uh, but probably not a place to spend more than a day mm -hmm. uh, on a 
because you can get most of what's there in a relatively short time. So if we did the uh, if we did Cambodia first and Thailand second, how many life birds do you think you would have gotten uh, Cambodia instead of in Thailand? Probably forty five. Uh, Cambodia birding was just not up to the power of where we were in Thailand, largely because of where we're at. We're staying right here in Phnom Penh, and it's a big, bustling city without much vegetation in the city. There's a tree here and there, but really not a lot of draw for birds. And, and surprising to me, even along the riverbanks where there is vegetation, I don't find a lot of birds. Uh, I mean, there's a few, but we, we went out to the, the Cambodian Taylor Bird hotspot with, with a guide uh, from Cambodia Bird Guide Association, uh, from Tier is his name, and he took us out there first thing in the morning yesterday, and we uh, birded around a, a, it looked like to me, a family farm sort of level uh, rice paddy fields. Uh, not big industrial rice, rice fields by any means, but it looked more like family farm level places. And, and we walked around some of the paddies and fields and, and got some nice birds. We did see the Cambodian Taylor bird, which is uh, just which is a, an endemic Cambodian bird, one of only two or three endemic birds in Cambodia that was actually just declared a species a couple of years ago. The guy was pretty proud to show us that. So, so what cool. happened the first time we, uh, that bird popped up for us? Uh, we were watching it, and I got on it and was getting a good look, and you were having a hard time, and it moved, and I stepped to the right to no, get I a think, better look at it. I think I had the bird in my line of sight, and then you just stepped right in front of me to, so, you know. Uh, Birding etiquette was yeah. not up to par, I have to say. Your mother used to just be very critical of me about stepping in front of her, too. So, you know, the first family member I've stepped in front of when I'm birding. I am better than I was years ago, though. I don't get quite as excited as I used to, but still, uh, not the best move. But we managed to work for it a while, and I think you got a glimpse of it, of it after that. Yeah, I definitely... Uh I didn't enjoy bird watching in Cambodia quite as much. I think the number one reason why was because uh, all the energy just was drained from my body after that first day in Thailand of birding and, you know, one full day, you know, that's enough for a year or, you know, (laughs) maybe every four years I can do a full day of birding like that. The edge of of excitement was definitely off. It was also just a less dramatically beautiful, spectacular, special place to go birding at the mountain in Thailand, whereas here we were in a kind of a run-down, poor agricultural area with quite a bit of trash around, and and it was hot besides that. So the combination, it was a little to wear you down. Yeah, so did you think a lot about the trash there? I think that was that was like a big factor for me. It was just like, wow. It's just like thinking like, uh, you know how in the United States, the narrative is like, oh, uh, the rich are destroying the environment and capitalism is uh, ruining the world. But then, in, you know, uh, then you go to other parts of the world and you realize, oh, like... Uh, these uh, less well-off people are literally like um, throwing their trash away right outside their house and leaving it there for eternity and you know just living 
right next to a big pile of rubbish. There's a, there's a lot of ways to look at that. It, it's, uh, I mean, I think that the, the Western world has brought these products to market. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you look at many of the trash laying around, they were trash with international oh, yeah. labels. So, I mean, Coca-Cola, yeah. yeah interna- international Coca-Cola. labels. And uh, the, the, they're being priced in a, such a way that they can be consumed by people who and countries and communities that, that don't really have the resources to have proper trash management. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that they're being thrust upon infrastructures not, not uh, ready yeah, to... Yeah, but I, I think the bigger factor there is just, you know, they have to worry about putting food on the table that night and taking care of their uh, family and they don't have the one day a week to clean up around the oh, yard or whatever. Absolutely. You know, so it's just uh, piling up. And uh, so, you know, they have a lot more important things to worry about than uh, their plastic waste and just like leaving their bottles everywhere. For sure. But you talked to me earlier about the whole Seven Eleven and the, the issues with plastic in Thailand. To, to re- tell people about that. Uh, I, I don't know exactly what I was telling you, but there is a plastic ban bag going, or did I say that right? Plastic, plastic bag, bag ban um, happening in Thailand, I think in January, so just a month away. And right now, 7-Eleven is, uh, which is like the biggest uh, kind of storefront, I, would, I guess you could call it. There's 10,300 7-Elevens in Thailand, all owned by one guy. And um, they give out a plastic bag with every purchase. So uh, it's definitely, and, and so they're rolling out uh, in a hundred of the stores. Like I think a week ago or two weeks ago, they started that rollout of hundred stores, no more plastic bags. And they're just kind of testing to see how it works. Cause they got to get ready for the 2020 plastic bag ban. So that, I think that'll be uh, really good. Um, I think something like uh, half the, uh, plastic waste in the world comes from five different countries in Southeast Asia. So, um, you know, uh, it's good that a corporation like uh, 7-Eleven in Thailand's kind of uh, leading the charge with, you know, banning or, you know, not giving out plastic bags. Who knows exactly uh, how that's going to work. I think they're still going to all right, they're still allowed to put like some hot food in plastic bags and stuff like that, but they aren't putting like packaged food into plastic. Um, and you know, what's that going to look like at the markets and stuff? I doubt that there's much enforcement of uh, a plastic band bag at like um, the fresh markets in Southeast Asia, you know, that would, or in Thailand specifically. Seems unlikely that'll be heavily enforceable, but it, it may make a move. It may make uh, more people use paper bags, more people use uh, reusable bags. We'll see. And we saw a ton of uh, rubbish on the ground in Thailand, but nothing like in Cambodia where we went bird watching. Yeah. So it was as we came across the bridge, it was like, oh my goodness, just acres of just. Yeah, and out in the rice paddy fields, it was crazy. Like, uh, of course, the where the crops are, like where the rice is actually growing, um, there's no, you know, no visible uh, plastic, but, you know, they probably just picked up the plastic where they're growing the rice and threw it to the edges, because on all the edges and all the walkways, it's just 
lined with rubbish. So. There was water, but there are other cool birds in those rice paddies too. Uh, definitely, I saw three species of bittern yesterday. I couldn't believe it. I got black bittern, cinnamon bittern, and yellow bittern. Uh, bitterns in our country are tough to come by, and uh, I think uh, it's probably my first three bittern day, I have to say. Yeah, seeing that cinnamon bittern fly was probably one of the highlights of uh, my bird watching adventures with you. It, so. it did flush right up and flew right in front of a big uh, bunch of bushes about 30 feet from us, 40 feet from us. I would say 300 yards from us, so I don't know if uh, my dad's just trying to play it up for the podcast. But oh, it, it wasn't 300 it was yards. It might have been 30 far, yards. Pretty far away. Anyway, we got a really nice look at the chestnut back as it flew. It was quite nice. And uh, the black bittern we saw was a little farther away, but the yellow bittern stood right up and posed for us in the tree. We got nice looks at that. And uh, that was good. That was good. Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, wading birds. We had uh, a little little egret, intermediate egret, purple heron, cattle egret. A lot of lot of waders. So that was kind of fun. So what's the total of life birds? Us twenty three and sixty six. Yeah, I, th- I think I have ninety nine. I think uh, yeah. no eighty nine. Eighty nine uh, life species this this trip, which is very nice. That's a lot. For two days of birding, that's just fine. Yeah, yeah I'll that's almost one percent of all the species in the world. That's getting there. Brett's very analytical. Yeah, always is encouraging in that regard. So that's good. Uh, so we had a nice time birding. Uh, and the, the the second place we went birding in Cambodia, it's kind of a funny story. The day before our birding trip, we went to uh, the, a place called Wat Nom. Uh, it it's uh, Wat Phnom, I guess. It's the big uh, Buddhist uh, monastery and uh, temple uh, in downtown Phnom Penh. And uh, we were walking around, and when I saw the name, I said, Oh my gosh, this is where we're coming birding tomorrow. <laughs> and uh, uh, it is really a little urban forest. There's big trees there around the old temple. It's a very old temple, and there are very big trees, uh, strangler fig type trees, and other big trees there. Uh, we were there at like three in the afternoon. It was boiling hot. I didn't even bring my binos when we went there, and I was like, "Gosh, how are they going to find any birds here?" But we did find a few birds here. It wasn't like spectacularly birdy. We were there after lunch, but it was pretty fun. Yeah, with the guide, with the guide, you got a few life birds there. Yeah, I got two or three day. extra life birds there, and just saw good looks at a few things. So mm-hmm. birds I hadn't seen great looks at before. Uh, so that was kind of fun too. Uh, so we've had a nice uh, vacation. Brett, what other things besides the food in Chiang Mai have uh, struck your fancy about this whole trip? Um, about this? The, the uh, trip, the, you know, the trip together. I mean, we had a nice time together, but other than that? Um, well, just, you know, spending time with my dad, of course. Uh, that's probably the highlight. I mean, I... That's I'd why I'm here, in, for sure. I'd be, I was in Chiang Mai for like a month before my dad got there, and uh, so it's just... Uh, very like compared to the capital cities in Southeast Asia like uh, Phnom Penh or um, Bangkok it's just like a very relaxing place to live in Chiang Mai um, it's still a big enough city where they have you know all the resources of being able to like um, you know buy anything you want or uh, have any all the you know most of the Western um, luxuries. So, uh, yeah, I just, I like uh, the, 
I just like the beauty of um, like the aesthetics of uh, Southeast Asia. Um, the colors are something bright, yeah. brightly colored everything. I mean, the paint, paint colors and packaging colors and advertising colors, and people's clothing colors. There's, it's a bright. You know, I mean, it's nothing subdued about the decor here. That's for sure. Yeah, so I would just say. Uh, like-minded people are attracted to um, spend time in Chiang Mai you know there's a a big um, expat community but it's more of a motivated expat community um, rather than if you like uh, are in like a beach town in Thailand or something like that so everyone's kind of hustling there they're all working online they're all building towards a better life rather than um, just kind of um, floating through life. So, so you mean in Chiang Mai people yeah, are? Yeah, yeah. So it's a place people can go to live and live and work and, and commune with other like-minded people, eat great food, live fairly inexpensively still. Yep. Uh, it is, I have to say, Chiang Mai was a nice place to, nice place to be. Yeah, a great place for uh, all ages of life. There's it's you'll notice a lot of uh, young families there, a lot of uh, parents with like, you know, zero-month-old to five-year-old, tons of uh, young parents spend time there. Um, So it's just a great place to raise a family, that type of thing. Um, Yeah. The the air quality was not too bad when we were there either. It was just starting to get into the burning season. And it's up in the mountains. It's, uh, It's... cooler it's like a a few degrees cooler in Chiang Mai than it is in Bangkok so uh, there's a lot of um, nature to see a lot of uh, it's just it's like a great place to get healthy a lot of uh, fitness and um, athletes uh, spend time there training you mentioned the people of the bikers who train there what was that about Uh, there's just a mountain there where a bunch of professional bike riders uh, especially from Australia and Europe, like, uh, like teams of cyclists, you know, that like, uh, like team sky, I think is like the most famous, uh, bicycling team in the whole world. And, uh, the, they take their whole team out to Thailand every couple of years and spend seven days training there, whatever. So a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of professional athletes, um, spend time in Chiang Mai training. And then, of course, like the the biggest uh, like um, what do you call it? like financial uh, the ways that people like go to um, spend the most money boosting the economy are probably people going for uh, training martial arts, uh, people going to massage school. Um, those are probably the two biggest ones. You can actually get a 12-month 12 12-month 12 visa in Thailand uh, if you are going to train mar- martial arts there. So, wow. um, yeah, a lot of, lot of uh, martial artists spend time there. Very nice. Yeah, it was certainly a very pleasant place. Cambodia has been quite a change. It's a very busy, very bustling city with tremendous traffic. Uh, and... Uh, to me, seems like a relative lack of 
public transportation except for tuk-tuks. Yeah, there's uh, no bus system, no train system, no subway, nothing like that. Phnom Penh is uh, the least developed capital city in um, in all of Southeast Asia, but that's also one of the reasons why I uh, came here to you know research and learn a little bit is because of the. Uh, um, Opportunity. Yeah, the economic opportunity of um, investing into Cambodia. Yeah, so it definitely seems like a place that uh, is quickly changing. There's trim- a lot of cranes, a lot of buildings going up, a lot happening, but not seemingly not a lot of infrastructure work being done with that to the whole city just mm-hmm. that's my observation yeah. it seems like i wonder if there'll be a tipping point of you know when enough chinese money comes into this country they're gonna uh start investing um into that t- sort of infrastructure like a a light rail system or something like that yeah even a bus system or something the roads really aren't big enough for buses in a lot of places but Anyway, so it's been a different experience in Phnom Penh, but another good experience. I'm glad I came. Uh, I've had a good time birding here, and I've had a really good time visiting with Brett. We've got a chance to talk to Gene on the phone a couple of times, so a little bit of family get-together time is good, too. And I hope you enjoyed listening to the Bird Banner podcast today. So, Brett, thanks for being on with me today. A little bit of a different show. Yeah, no problem. I can't... uh can't wait to come on here again where you don't just cut me off at the end and keep this podcast really short but it's probably best that uh, you don't you don't let me just uh, ramble on and uh, yeah I thought we'd uh, covered a lot of the topics and I decided to wrap it up yeah. and it's my show so I can do that yeah. so until next time birders thanks for listening good birding and good day <laughs>